as our families are coming up today. And I love the way the message paraphrases Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. Here's what it says. Don't you see that children are God's best gift? The fruit of the womb, his generous legacy. Like a warrior's fistful of arrows are the children of a vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed are you, parents, with your quivers full of children. As followers of Jesus, we are called to recognize that children, first and foremost, they belong to God. God in his goodness gives children as gifts to every parent. But along with these gifts also comes an awesome responsibility. This morning we have four children that are going to be dedicated to God in this special ceremony. And today we're not dedicating the kids as much as we're dedicating you, the parents. So parents, by coming up this morning, you are publicly saying that you wish to raise your children in a Christ-honoring home, and you're asking God's blessing as you prepare to release your own personal arrows. As I introduce the parents and the kids, Bree, our next-gen director, she's going to hand them a dedication certificate to remember this day by, and then she's going to lead us in making some charges together as parents, but also as a church family. So we have Elijah Marable, Mason and Dylan Foster, and their parents, Whitney and Devante. Let's give them a hand. And we also have Lucy Locke and her parents, Anna and Jordan. Awesome. So if you guys are willing to commit your children to God and to dedicate yourself in raising them in God's strength for his glory and honor, then reply by saying we will after each question, okay? You ready? All right, here we go. Will you recognize your child as a gift from God and give thanks for the blessing of your blessing your life with his gift? Awesome. Will you pledge as Christian parents to bring up your child in a Christian home, relying on God for wisdom, strength, and guidance? Will you promise to give your child every possible benefit of home, school, and church? Will you promise to pray for your child daily, asking God to direct and protect them through all of their years? Will you submit your life to Christ in all things and dedicate your child to the Lord? Awesome. So there is an old proverb that it says it takes a village. And it does, doesn't it, Eric? Yeah. It does. For sure. We can't do it on our own. So parents have the first responsibility, but I believe as a church, we too are accountable for the role that we play in the lives of these children and their parents. So church family, please stand together with me and with us and make a commitment in helping these parents raise their children in Jesus by reading this from the screen. Here we go. We stand, we stand with, with you, you today in celebration of the commitment you just made. We will do whatever we can. Ability to encourage and support and to come alongside of these great parents here today. God, we pray for the rest of this service that you would be honored and that you would be glorified through what is said and done this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
So I want to thank you as we get started, church and parents, for making those commitments. Bree and I dedicated all three of our kids, and we are proud to be part of your village as well. This morning, we begin a brand new series called Family Matters, and its meaning is twofold. First of all, we want everyone to understand that each member of the family matters. Children, as we're going to highlight today, parents, husbands, wives, and yes, even the in-laws, they all matter. Also, we want everyone to understand that how we relate to each other within the family matters. And today's message is for all the kids in the room. And to set this up, let me just say that it is not easy being a child in 2021. There's many more, so many more negative influences on kids today than in the past. Our children have to battle the availability of drugs and alcohol, the acceptability of promiscuity, and the connectability that technology brings to all of this. Children also have to figure out how to counter the watered-down truth or sometimes the bold-faced lies that the media and most educational institutions share regarding Jesus and his church. More and more kids have to learn how to handle the stress of blended families, and many Christ-following kids get frustrated when they see their Christians' friends' parents lowering the standard that they have to follow, and it doesn't make any sense. They look at all these different families, and they look at their own family and see that life just isn't fair sometimes. Parents, can we agree that we want our children to grow up with biblical values? If you're a parent, yes or no to that, out loud. Yes, all right. Can we also agree that we want them to know Christ? Can we agree that we want them to have a healthy relationship within the family? Can we agree that we want them to reach their full potential? Can we agree that we want ultimately what is best for our kids? Yes, okay, kids in the room. There's a couple, some just left, but kids in the room, did you hear that? Your parents and I want you to live a God-honoring, healthy, blessed, fruitful, amazing life in this spiritually hostile world. Let me say that again. Your parents and I want you to live a God-honoring, healthy, blessed, fruitful, amazing life in this spiritually hostile world. That's our goal for you. That's our dream. That's our desire. But the question is, how do you get there? How can you achieve these godly goals in a sinful world that wants you to do nothing more than to reject Jesus? Well, I'm going to answer that question by breaking up this message into three different sections, three specific types of kids. And trust me, by the end, it's going to relate to all of us in the room. So first of all, I want to talk to all the elementary kids here. Uh, if you're elementary, I know we still have Lucy in the room and we've got uh, Elijah. Any other 13 and under? I can't really see. 13 and under. Anybody else 13 and under? Okay. So this is, first section is for you guys. Um, there are basically two key things that your parents and God want for you. Two very important things. And the first is this, first-time obedience. That's what they want, first-time obedience. Paul says in Ephesians 6, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. 
Paul says that you should obey your parents because God commands you to do it. It's the right thing to do. But you should also obey your parents because your life will go so much better in the long run. You won't have the constant hassle in the home and your parents will actually start trusting you more. Kids, what would happen if when your mom or your dad says to you, hey, honey, it's time to get up and get ready for school, what happened if you actually got right out of bed instead of pretended to sleep a little bit longer? Do you think that the mornings might start with a little less chaos? Probably so. Or what about when they say, hey, time to turn off the PlayStation and do your homework? What would happen if you did that immediately instead of continuing to play? Or what would happen if you actually cleaned your room on the first request? I don't know, maybe your mom might faint from the shock and the surprise. Well, here's the truth, kids. Your parents should not be surprised when you obey something on the first time. In fact, that should be how you always respond, with first-time obedience. Ultimately, first-time obedience is what leads to a peaceful home. That's what Paul means when he says, so that it may go well with you. First-time obedience is for your benefit. Because when it requires five, six, seven times of repeating the same request, you know what happens, right? Voices raise, tempers flare, and ultimately somebody's feelings get hurt. And I'm preaching that from experience, right, Bree? We do it in our home. So please practice first-time obedience. And just to let you all know, I have preached this to my kids multiple times over the last week or so, going out loud, so they know what I'm talking about uh, in this message today. The other thing that parents and God desires for elementary age kids is that they would accept Jesus as their Savior. This is the most important decision you can ever make because it has eternal consequences. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So kids, you need to follow after Jesus by placing your faith in him. In fact, making this decision as a kid is when it most often happens. The Barna Group, along with many other surveys, they reveal these facts. 43% of Christians came to faith before the age of 12. 43% came to faith before the age of 12. Raise your hand if that was you, if you accepted Christ before age 12. Okay, that's probably half of the people here. 64% of Christians came to faith by the age of 18. If that was you, if you accepted Christ before 18, raise your hand. All right, that's probably the majority of us. And then only 23% of current believers chose to accept Jesus after the age of 21. No to us. The bottom line is that evangelism must be the primary goal in children's ministry. And parents, we want you to have confidence. We want you to know that we take this very seriously at Northside. That's one of the reasons why we hire the best most capable, most qualified people to lead our next-gen team. It's also why we do children's worship and why we have small groups every Sunday teaching kids on their level what it means to follow after Jesus. 
It's also why we built a parent resource wall down by the cafe at our Wadsworth campus. It's why we provide constant resources to equip parents such as parentq.org. And if you're not familiar with what those resources are, I want to encourage you to talk to Bree right after the service. She can give you all those details. She can uh, help you uh, in that process because there's so many things that we want to provide for you. We strive to do our very best to come alongside of and to partner with parents because we believe that you as parents are actually the primary spiritual caregivers for your children. We as the church, we're secondary. And a lot of times we kind of get that flip-flop. Parents will come and bring their kids to church and say, hey, we want you to teach them, we want you to raise them up in Jesus. No, that's not our goal. Our goal, our job is to be the secondary. You as parents are the primary spiritual caregivers, and we will encourage and equip and support, and we're going to make commitments to do that their entire lives. So as a parent, we want to challenge you to choose to make the most of your time now while your kids are still young and impressionable by pointing them to Jesus. Now, here's a caution, parents. Don't force them to respond too early or else you'll rob them of the ability to make that personal decision to follow Jesus because it should be that. It should be personal. Our kids can't uh, rely on our faith or our grandparents' faith. They have to make their own decision. But when you sense that they understand the basics of who Jesus is, of what sin is, of what salvation is, then let them come. Don't make them wait till they're in high school or until they can create a neatly defined PowerPoint of what the Trinity is, right? They don't have to understand all of that yet. As a child, they may not understand the meaning of uh, sanctification as much as you do, and that's okay. But their faith may never be purer than it is at a young age. Remember the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 19. He said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So elementary kids, two things I want you to remember. First of all, first time obedience is important. Secondly, accept Jesus as your savior. Now, teenagers, 13 to 18, I know we've got some. Raise your hand, 13 to 18 in the room. One, two, anybody else? All right, boys, listen up, listen up. All right, there are two things that God and your parents want for you as well. First of all, they want you to remain morally pure. Say that with me, to remain morally pure. Your parents are deeply concerned because there are so many temptations right at your fingertips every day. They want you to have the moral integrity to resist those temptations, to resist the appeal of drugs and alcohol, coarse language and uh, sex. A great verse that I would encourage you to memorize is Proverbs chapter 20. In fact, uh, my teenagers, if y'all could just stand up and read this verse with me right now. If you can stand and read this. Even children are known by the way they act, whether their conduct is pure and whether it is right. All right, have a seat. Do you know what that means? That means that God holds you responsible for your words and your actions. And I don't tell you that to scare you. I tell you that to inform you. God holds you responsible for your words and your actions. And it doesn't matter if you're not an adult yet. 
So sometimes um, it's easy to forget that, but it's important to remember. You're not exempt from accountability just because you're still young. God requires you to walk in purity just like he requires us as parents and adults to walk in purity. As teenagers, there's a couple of uh, things that kind of limit or prohibit us from doing that, right? And I know it's hard, but two things that I thought of that really kind of stop you from walking in purity are peer pressure and puberty, right? Both of those things are kind of kicking into high gear right now, peer pressure and puberty. As a teenager, you want to please your friends a whole lot more than you want to please your parents, It's not that you don't care about your parents. You just know they're going to love you regardless. Right, parents? Right, mom and dad? You're going to love your kid regardless of the dumb stuff that they do. But peers are very different because if you don't act a certain way, if you don't talk a certain way, if you don't think or behave a certain way, they will drop you like that. They will turn on you in an instant. But maybe the biggest misconception that teenagers have is that you think you can experiment with everything the world offers and not be permanently affected by it. You think you're Superman and there's no kryptonite in sight. And I did student ministry for eight years. I loved every minute of it. And I've talked to so many teenagers. I've uh, helped spiritually guide so many teenagers that had that mindset, that thought, I'm invincible to everything going on. Well, Jesus told a story about a young man who believed the same thing. He was probably in his late teens when he said to his father, Look, Dad, I'm tired of living in this house and living under your rules. I want what's mine. Give me my inheritance now. I'm ready to cut ties and leave. And the father reluctantly agreed. The boy took off for what he thought was a better place. He wanted to get as far away from home as he possibly could. We learned that he squandered all of his inheritance in wild living. You see, he chose the wrong friends. He partied, he drank, he did drugs, he gambled, he visited prostitutes. He did everything that the world said was quote-unquote normal. Everything that the world was telling him you can find satisfaction in and joy in. You want to chase this because it's fun and it's exciting. But soon all of his money was gone and he was desperate. And every single one of his fake friends had abandoned him. He got hungry and he took a job as a farmhand. He was so hungry that he began to eat the slop that the pigs, that he was feeding the pigs. And finally, this son had a come to Jesus moment. And he came to his senses and he realized how many of his father's workers were treated better and lived better than what he was doing right now. So he decided to go back to his dad, and as he was headed home, he was rehearsing his apology speech, but his dad saw him coming from a long way off, and he ran out to him to greet him, to hug him, to embrace him, and to welcome him better than you thought you'd stay, and it cost you more than you thought you'd pay. So please think twice before you send that inappropriate picture to your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Think twice before you park somewhere in the dark. Think twice before you watch that movie or before you go to that website. Think twice before you take that sip or that hit. While those things might feel good in the moment, I promise you, they will leave scars in the future because sin always leaves scars. 
God's desire for you and our desire for you as parents is to remain morally pure. And I think a great way to do that is by praying this prayer from Psalm 119. It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So if you want to remain morally pure, then you need to pray that prayer every day. And that's not just for teenagers. That goes for everybody in this room. Because sin affects us all regardless of our age. Another thing that teens should strive for is to have a good attitude in the home. Have a good attitude. Parents, how are they doing at that? Good? Thumbs up? Good? Okay. All right. I didn't see a thumbs down. All right. That's good. Well, when the prodigal son came back home, the father forgave him immediately and he threw a party. But the older son who was working in the field, he heard the music, he heard the dancing, he didn't know what was going on. So he left and he came back and he said, what is happening? Someone told him that your brother has come home and everybody is celebrating. Now you would think that this older brother would join in the celebration, that he would be happy this prodigal son had returned, but he wasn't. In fact, the older brother was ticked. He pouted, he refused to go in. And when his father begged him to join the rest of the family, he complained and said, look, dad, I have stayed here my entire life. I've not asked you for anything. You've never once thrown me a party. I'm not going in because this isn't fair. His bad attitude limited his family's ability to celebrate. In the same way, teenagers, your attitude in the home affects the mood of everybody else within the house. That's why it's so important to your parents that your attitude be pleasant and joyful and cooperative. Even though it's hard, it can be done. I promise you, I was there not too long ago. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5, it describes what our attitude should look like towards each other within the family. And this is a verse that's often shared at weddings, but it absolutely applies to family matters. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. So teenagers, if you love your family, you could just put your name in where the word love is. Think about that. I am patient. I am kind. I will not envy. I will not boast. I will not be proud. I will not be rude or self-seeking or easily angered, and I will keep no record of wrongs. See, God requires that we have this loving attitude toward each other within the household. Here are some practical examples. This includes how you communicate with your parents. You shouldn't go to your room right after school, put your headphones in, ignore your parents when you get home. You shouldn't resent every question that they ask or give just one-word responses. How'd your day go? Good. What'd your friends say? Nothing. Like, you shouldn't do that. You need to have a conversation with your parents and be willing to spend time with them because they want to spend time with you. 
It also means you don't roll your eyes in disgust and walk away while they're still talking. You can show respect not only through your words, but also through your body language. And here's a biggie. Forgive your parents when they make mistakes. Forgive your parents when they make mistakes. There are no perfect parents, just like there are no perfect people. As a teenager, you're called to honor your father and mother, and forgiveness is part of that because, remember, love keeps no record of wrongs. And so you need to give grace to your parents just like they are giving grace to you. This also means that you respect your parents' wishes about dress and activity. So girls, if your dad says you can't wear that outfit, that is way too revealing, then change. Don't complain about how old-fashioned they are. Simply honor your dad's request. Look, I've got a daughter, 11 years old. We do. She is taller than Bree. She's tall like I am. She's got long legs. I know how difficult it is to find shorts that are cute and appropriate for her to wear. This is a struggle that is for real. So it's going to be a battle that I'm facing. And I know, parents, if you had teenage daughters, you probably faced that same battle. Guys, if your mom says, no, you can't go to that party no, you're not going to go watch that movie, then don't storm out of your room and threaten to hibernate for the rest of your life. Show respect by obeying her direction, even though it's not what you want. So teens, your goal, two things, to remain morally pure and to have a good attitude in the home. Now there's one other category of children that I want to address, and that's the rest of you, all the adult children in the room. Anybody 18 and older. There are two things that our parents and God wants from us as well. And first, it's an ongoing relationship. Our parents want an ongoing relationship. It can be easy to forget about our parents when we move out, when we get married, when we start a family, because the responsibilities of life, they simply take over. We get busy and we neglect to check in, we neglect to call, we neglect to visit, and I am very guilty of this. I need to do a better job at calling my mom and checking in on my dad. Proverbs seventeen six says, children's children are a crown to the age, and parents are the pride of their children. Notice, notice that it doesn't say children are the pride of their parents. That's a given. Right? Children are proud of parents, but it says parents are the pride of their children. Every Christian parent wants their child to be proud of them just as they are of their kids. That's why it's really important that parents, uh, and, that parents and children stay connected. This takes effort, it takes time, it takes communication, and it takes forgiveness. Even if you're separated by many miles, you can still call, you can FaceTime, you are walking in the truth. One more time. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Thank you. You can be seated. Many godly parents are deeply saddened when their children stray away from the faith. Because most of them have put so much time and energy and effort pointing them to Jesus when they were younger, right? And they drug them to church, and they took them there, and they made them go. But when the kids are older, sometimes 
they began to neglect their relationship with Jesus. And they've taught them, they've prayed for them, but now the adult kids have left the church. They're materialistic. Their priorities are all out of whack. And this breaks a parent's heart. I heard a story about a preacher's son who rebelled against his parents' moral values. No matter how much they tried to persuade him, he just would not live as they prayed. He was about 21 years old and uh, grew up in the church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But when he got 21, he rebelled. He said, look, even though I'm still living in the house, I don't want to do this church thing. And one night he staggered in at 2.30 in the morning, completely drunk, and he made his way up to his bedroom and he passed out. A few minutes later, the preacher's wife got up and went into her son's room. And when she didn't return, her husband went to look for her. He found his wife seated on the edge of the son's bed, softly stroking his matted hair. And the father asked, honey, what are you doing? Without even looking up, she tearfully said, he won't let me love him when he's awake. He won't let me love him when he's awake. You see, that mother stepped into her son's darkness and to her son's rebellion with a love that was still there, even though the son did not love her back. And that's how it is with us and God, our Heavenly Father. We have a Heavenly Father who loves us just as we are. He desires a close, personal, ongoing relationship with every single one of you in the room today, regardless of how far away you may have strayed. We are a blessing to him because we're his children. And he desperately wants to be a blessing back to us. So if you're that prodigal child who's gone a long way off, I want to encourage you to come back home and accept Jesus as your Savior today. I promise that he is standing there waiting with open arms because his love is unconditional. His forgiveness is complete. His grace is free. And his blessings for your life are unending. We're going to transition to a time of worship now by singing a song called The Blessing. Now, most of the songs that we sing, probably 98% of them, they're all a song from us to God. We're lifting up the name of God and we're praising him. But this song is a little bit different. It came out about a year or so ago. Carrie Job and Cody Carnes and Stephen Furtick, they all wrote it together. Um, and it's new to Northside. It's the first time we have done it. But maybe you're familiar with it. This one is different because it is a song that God is singing over us. It's about the love that our Heavenly Father has for His kids. And this is a blessing that we can receive as His children. No matter how much wrong you've done, no matter how far away you've gone, no matter what the difficulty that you're experiencing life right now. So I just want to ask that uh, as we sing this song, you just listen and let God sing over you today. Then we're going to take communion and we'll sing another song after that. <laughs> 